I would like to say good morning to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Ewell. The vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. And the superintendent is Dr. Durrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many, but we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the name our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. 
He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given into salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? <coughs> Excuse me. A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh, led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the class are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose operating throughout eternity through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, 
to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Sean Wright, followed by scripture, which will be Proverbs, the fourth chapter read by Dr. Lord Lewis. Dr. Wright. Good morning, class. May we bow our hearts and minds unto Yahweh. Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to be able to learn about your your purpose and plan of salvation through Yahshua the Messiah. Let our hearts be uh, still and open and ready to receive that which you are, are going to deliver to us this morning. That we may be edified and, and fed and grow and continue to grow in you as sons. We thank you for all these blessings through our brethren and Savior's name, Yahshua. Maybe y'all say hallelujah. 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 I'd like to say good morning to the class. And I'll be reading out of the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testament, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trainer and reprinted by Yahshua Promotion. That is Proverbs, the fourth chapter. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thy head an excuse me, or ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, 
thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat of the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light, that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thy eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy feet from evil. That was Proverbs, the 20, excuse me, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Wright, for that beautiful prayer and Dr. Lauren Lewis for the reading of the scripture. We want to once again welcome everyone out to our class today. We are very grateful to Yahweh that he allowed you and us to join to hear something else that he will, he has to say to us, his children. Before we begin, we'd like to remind everyone to please keep your video cameras turned off and to keep your microphones on mute unless you are called on to speak. And just uh, another reminder that we always have our visiting brethren. We acknowledge you and we welcome you here with us. We welcome you in the bonds of peace of Yahshua the Messiah and we thank you always for joining us. Give me one moment. Had a little bit of issues with my audio. One second. Hey, thank you. I'm back. And for our first speaker, we're happy to welcome from our Southfield, Michigan class, if he's able, Dr. Carl Leatherberry. Dr. Leatherberry? Well, I'm I'm able just a little bit. I want to say how the brother is doing. Of course, we're always working, always mm -hmm. working. But to have anything to say about my creator is is an honor to me to even know anything about Yahshua. Um, I just wanted to say I really, really, really appreciate the brethren. I appreciate the brother for staying strong, steadfast in the gospel. Mm -hmm. I mind that we all stand steadfast in the gospel because Yahshua is our only hope of any, any type of peace, glorification, anything on this earth plane. Mm -hmm. Things is getting really bad out here and it's only going to get worse. 
But being soldiers of Yahshua, we got to endure it to the end. And to do that, you must have him in you. You must believe that he did what he did for us. You know, there's no sin against the brethren. That's why I love my brethren so much because it's impossible for you to sin against me and it's impossible for me to sin against you if you is the body of Yahshua. Mm -hmm. um, with those few words, I just want to say hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Yep Leatherberry. And for our first, I'm sorry, for our next speaker of the morning, we're happy to call the Dean of the Southfield Michigan class, Dr. Marvin Lewis. Dr. Lewis? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's an honor and a privilege. And the absolute best thing that could possibly happen to an individual, especially for me, to have an opportunity to be in the presence of this great vision and revelation, which was given to our founder and dean, and the, Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. Now, he made a very bold statement at the time that he was delivering this vision he had and explaining it to the sons and the brethren that heeded his call and pondered some of the questions that he posed to us that we had to research and understand. And once we researched them, we had to accept it. And one of the first things that we heard from him and we had to understand was, if there's no J, there's no Jesus. It's as simple as that. Now that is undeniable, irrefutable, understandable, and necessary. And what makes it necessary is simply this, that unless you can accept cold, hard facts, then you will never come to understand the imminent mercy, love, and guidance that Yahweh passed on to us through Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, and his only begotten son. So these are the types of things that I have learned over the years of being in a part of this organization that you have to accept. You have to accept unadulterated truth. You have to accept proving facts. Now, the world doesn't do that. And the reason they don't do that is because mankind in his own knowledge and ego does not have the ability to listen to what the creator says because he has an adversary. And contrary to what many of us believe in our upbringing was, we thought that the creator himself was our adversary because he made demands on us that we couldn't keep. And I want you to go back there and uh, uh, pick it up where it talks about uh, where Yahweh spoke down to them and told them these laws would be for your righteousness if you could keep them. So our understanding and our previous affiliations, whether they were religious or non-religious, voodoo or hoodoo or whatever it was, street life, see, or my own ego, my own psycho, uh, uh, psychology or whatever I stood and agreed with and made that my anchor. See, we were all wrong about that. 
We were wrong with our book learning that thought we thought made us something. We were wrong about our idealic outlook on things or our ideologies. We were wrong about that. And these are cold hard facts that you have to come to accept or else you will not receive the blessing that Yahweh had placed before you in this vision of revelation. This tells the whole story. And see, and you, most of you are familiar with the number of charts that we have. You have that scripture for me? Yes, that's Read Deuteronomy 6 and 24. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statues to fear Yahweh, our Elohim, for our good always. Now watch. now watch, excuse me, reader, I'm going to interrupt you. Now, what are these statutes? Now, the so-called Ten Commandment law is a part of these statutes. But there wasn't just the Ten Commandment law. And that's what caught my attention after I was in this class for a while, because if there was more than that, if there was more than Ten Commandment laws, what chance did I have? Because I stumbled with the Ten. I couldn't keep them. And really, and when, and when you think about it, you couldn't keep two or three of them. Only one you could probably keep was thou shalt not kill. That was about it. See, so there was other statutes. There was over 600 different laws and statutes that they were given to try to keep, read. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes to fear Yahweh, our Elohim, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh, our Elohim, as now he you hear commanded that? us. Right. Now that, that sounds like an easy task. Over 600 of these laws and ordinances, and Yahweh put this on them, exploded in people, you must obey them. Not an option, not the majority of them, not some of them, not part of them. You have to obey every last 600 and some of them. Now, what that told me is that that, that was your life. You woke up in the morning thinking about which ordinance you have to adhere to, and you went to bed thinking about what at ordinances you had to adhere to the next day. So it was a full-time job. And now we know that's almost impossible for a human, see, or any man or human person to keep one thing on their mind 24-7, seven days a week for 70-some-odd years, years that average time you stay on earth. Now, you know that's not possible. So it appears as if Yahweh is being unfair. It seems like the creator is saying, well, why would you ask me to do that? You know, doggone well, I can't do it. And the reason for it is simple as this, folks. You didn't know you couldn't do it. You thought you could. The children of Israel, when Yahweh brought them up out of there, since they had come through the land of Egypt and they had seen Pharaoh and all the Egyptians destroyed and bust asunder, do you know a lot of those children of Israel thought it was because they were who they were that that happened? 
because there were such a number of us and we outthought the Egyptians and we outplanned it. And this is even after Yahweh gave them this commandment. Now, once you go down there with the Red Sea where Yahweh told them to tell Moses to tell them children of Israel to stand still. Mm -hmm. That's Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. See, now Yahweh's told them already. Mm -hmm. Now he already told them previously in Deuteronomy. Well, in Deuteronomy afterwards, he explains to them, if you can keep these ordinances, they will be for your salvation. In other words, if you can keep them, you can save yourself. But now when they get to the Red Sea, they're all in a panic. The Egyptians are behind them. The Red Sea's in front of them. See, and the Egyptians got horses and chariots and spears and arrows, and they got all the strength with them. And Yahweh has to tell them, now you didn't have to tell them children of Israel at that instance. You didn't have to explain to them that they were in grave danger of losing their lives. So Yahweh had to tell them through Moses, see, his prophet, he had to tell them, stand still and see the salvation. Read that for me again, please. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. Now see that, see the salvation of yourself because you mm -hmm. followed no ordinance because you thought it up, because you got a plan that you're going to do to get across this Red Sea with mm -hmm. Pharaoh on your back like that. No, that's not what he said. No. He said, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh. Now that's establishing a principle with the children of Israel. And it's for us to learn something from. That's right. See, the reason we're studying the scriptures is to see what we can filter out that pertains to us. And reality, we'll never be able to get all of it out of that pertains to us. Not in this life because of our limitations we have. See, our mental capacity varies from one person to another. Our reasoning, our ability to reason and to think things out different from one person to another. So as long as we're stuck in these physical bodies and have these distractions that we confront, are confronted with every day on a daily basis, we'll never be able to understand all the things Yahweh is telling us and showing us and giving, putting us in and taking us out of, we'll never be able to fully ga gather and understand and appreciate that as long as we're burdened down with this physical body because it's such a distraction. Your physical body and your carnal mind. Mm. And listen, if you don't think you still got some carnal mind stuck, wait till you go to work tomorrow. That's right. That's right. And somebody upsets you. So we are obligated. We are obligated to be present in these presentations of this great vision and revelation. And the reason we're obligated, because it's absolutely necessary in order for you to obtain salvation. You have no ability to do that on your own. Every one of the prophets, the sons of Yahweh, through Yahshua, see, preach the same thing. You must have Yahshua in your heart, on your mind, and you must surrender your soul to him. That's absolutely, and makes no difference who you are, whether you're my brother, my sister, or total stranger. I have the same message for you all. 
See, it's absolutely necessary that we bow down and subject ourselves to the rule of the creator who is the ruler of heaven and earth. Isn't that what the book says? So now if you're on earth, and that means he rules you too. Every kingdom must have a king. And they don't have three or four kings. If you have a kingdom, if you just look at the history of mankind, whenever you had a kingdom where there was two or more than one person wanted to be king, there was a war with murder and mayhem. That's the history of the world. Go back to any one of them. Anytime you had a kingdom and somebody else wanted the kingship, as opposed to another person wanted, that only way they knew how to settle it was to death, killing and murdering. Now that's a trait of that satanic spirit. See, and we look at stuff like this. We're so ignorant in our outlook sometimes and we forget. See, we look at the devil as uh, doing stuff like murdering and uh, uh, killing babies and starting wars. Don't you know that the devil the devil even causes people to have the wrong thought about Yahweh and how he is and truly exists. He will feed us information like, have you ever said this? Or have you ever heard this? Well, you got your way to get be saved uh, to get to God and I got my way and I'll meet you up there. Yahweh never said that and Yahshua the Messiah never said it. None of the prophets said that. That was never said in any one of the scriptures in the Bible. So where'd you get it from? You got it from your own imagination. Someone imagined that there was something they could do to please Yahweh with a carnal-minded man, and you heard it, and because you thought, or we were told, that that's what we're supposed to do, follow the Ten Commandment law, See, even the devil knew we were smart enough not to know to know we couldn't handle all 600 of them. Just take the 10, and if you can keep those, it'll be for your own righteousness. Now, how'd that work out for you so far? And when you look at the results from us trying to do that and to follow that Ten Commandment law, then it puts us in dire straits. It should worry us. It didn't because... There's various other things in our life we were missing. Now I want you to go to First uh, Corinthians 15 chapter, and I just want to go over a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to be long. I don't have anything in particular on my mind uh, to give to the class, other than uh, like I mentioned the last time I was on the floor, some support for these in-class sessions we're doing. And we understand and know that not everyone's not able or doesn't have the ability or the strength of the physical assets in order to participate in the transporting of equipment and setting up and taking down. But I think it's reasonable to mention the fact that I think everyone or just about everyone has the ability to be on time. That's 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. 
For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Did you want me to continue? No, I'm sorry. I, I, I was muted. I was talking. I forgot I was muted that fast. But start over again for me real quick. I'm going to take about five mm -hmm. or ten more minutes and then I... That's the uh, first, first verse. Moreover, yeah. brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein ye stand. Now watch. Now Paul's by which talking. also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Okay, now. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how the Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. Can you hear me? I can now. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know what's happening with the muting or stuff, but I just wanted to... Uh, uh, if, I don't know if that's my equipment or not. Might be the equipment here. It could so, be my equipment. I've been having some issues this morning, so I apologize. Okay, okay that's all right. No, um, but what I wanted to get to about this is Paul's talking to the children of Israel. Now these are the ones, the so-called sons of Yahweh, that have been preached to, have heard the gospel preached from Paul and various other prophets and disciples and apostles. See. And they have come to understand and recognize the, at least this. They trusted in what Paul said, that you must come to Yahshua in order to be saved. And Paul did something that it was seldom done. And it was only ever done in the history of mankind by those prophets that were chosen by Yahweh or Yahweh put the Holy Spirit in them to use them and then remove it to the disciples, which he preached to and gave them the ability through the Holy Spirit to understand and perceive the things that he was saying. And to the apostle Paul, which had readily admitted that he was the least of the apostles, the most unworthy. Because what he did was, is he took their carnal mind and transitioned it to a spiritual mind. And why was that necessary? Because Yahweh is spirit. He is not carnal. So as long as we are wrapped, as long as we are strapped, as long as we were held down, embedded in a carnal mind, in a carnal way of thinking, it's impossible for you to know and understand Yahweh. Just can't be done. So what Yahweh has to do, he has to manifest himself as Yahshua the Messiah. Walk on the face of the earth, preaching Yahweh's will to man. What Yahweh would have you do in order to be saved. Now, let's don't be like the masses and want to spurn Yahweh or spurn Yahshua because he's telling us something that we don't want to hear or at many times we haven't agreed with. And sometimes we don't agree with the way things are run now. I'm talking about in this school and out of this school. But we have to remember and understand 
that your only hope of salvation is this vision of revelation. So you better get somewhere where you can receive it. If you don't, you might as well just put an X over you right now. This is the way that Yahweh chose to deliver you from death, hell, and the grave. Now you have to do just what he told those Egyptians at the Red Sea. You have to stand still. Take your concepts, your opinions, get rid of them. Take your ideals, take your wishes, take your hopes, because most of them are carnal if you stop and think about it. I've been in this school for 40 some years. And do you know, sometimes I'm still fighting carnal thoughts. I don't even realize they're carnal until I've had them. But the doctor, the, the, the founder of the school explained that, see. He said, now don't be condemned about that because that satanic spirit is always in your ear. And what the satanic spirit, the satanic spirit wants you to do is to forget about Yahweh's mercy through Yahshua the Messiah. That's why it's necessary that you keep that name, Yahshua, on the tip of your tongue, in the forefront of your mind, in the forefront of your brain, and always on your mind. It is your direct ticket and pass to eternal life in righteousness. Now, everybody's going to have eternal life. See? Now, I want you to go get me that story right quick, and then I'll be done right after this about uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Because the world thinks, and many times, and many of us thought, and some of us thought in, in, before that when we die, we just dead and gone. That's the end of us. Uh, when you put you in the ground, say, bye, mom, bye, dad, that's the end of them. They no longer exist. Well, that's not true. See, we do have what we call a soul. And Yahweh purposed that soul, see, that it's going to exist after this physical creation. See, Yahweh planned it like that. So you either going to continue on in Yahweh's purpose, see, either in righteousness or in unrighteousness. In unrighteousness, it's death, hell, and the grave. And those souls that end up in the grave at the instantaneous revelation of Yahshua Messiah that don't know him or recognize him at his coming, they will forever be in torment. And they will forever be in torment because they will know that they are dead. They will have to rehearse all the opportunities they had to worship Yahweh as he truly is and actually exists. And out of willful ignorance. Now, I'm not talking about the folks that never were in a position in their life to hear anything about Yahweh or Yahshua. Now, Yahweh's always got something planned for them because they're part of his purpose. And Yahweh's not going to hold an innocent person guilty. Yahweh will not sacrifice an innocent person just to get his way. That's what the satanic spirit does. Mm. See, but there is a conclusion. There is something that happens to you. See, when you're disobedient to Yahweh, 
And he's the reason that you even have the breath of life. Mm. And yet we continue to want to defy his will. No, Jay, there's no Jesus. Leave him alone. That's right. Get him out of your heart and mind. Mm. It's a weight around your heart and your soul. Call on Yahshua and allow yourself to be resurrected. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't resurrect your heart and your mind, at least let it resurrect your intelligence. Because a little bit of research will prove that the name of the creator is Yahweh and his son is Yahshua the Messiah. There's no dispute about that. Even these preachers nowadays will not deny that. Of course, they will tell you and try to explain to you that it don't make any difference what you call him. That's not what Yahweh said. See, he said, my name is Yahweh. That is my, give me that scripture right quick. And then I'm, I, I don't want to ramble on, but I just want to impress upon the members of this school how grateful we should be that we have to slog in and tune in to this three times a week. Now, it sounds like a chore, a chore and a burden, doesn't it? Well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> what else are you going to do? Going to keep trying to hit the... Going to try to keep trying to hit the lottery or something like that? No, it, that's... Listen, folks. Everything you got coming in this life, Yahweh and already gave you. He gave you a heart, a soul an ability to reasonable, to be reasonable and to think and to rationalize. That's why it should not, that's why Yahweh is lawful in holding you accountable for not accepting that his name is not Jesus. Now this chart right here, it's an explanation of it. No J in the Greek or Hebrew. Now, Yahweh gave it to the Hebrews, and the Hebrews took it to the Greeks. So if there was no J in the Hebrew language, those are the first people. And anybody that's got a Bible knows this, all you got to do is read the Bible. Those were the first race of people, or nationality of people, the Israelites, that were down in Egypt in bondage, that Yahweh appeared to. Yahweh appeared to the prophets from Abraham on back, right on up to Moses, but he did not give any of them his name. They called him El Shaddai, which means translates or transliterates to almighty provider. But his name, Yahweh, he did not give him to anyone but Moses. And listen, that's how we can prove by this vision of revelation who wrote Genesis. There's not two versions of Genesis. You understand? Say, as it appears to be, or as some people specify, uh, uh, think so or say so. Say, it's only one and it was written by Moses. And here's how we know that. Because when you go to the Holy Name Bible or you go to a true Bible other than the King James Version that uses the true names, you see the name Yahweh right in Genesis. 
in the beginning, before he even told his name. Now, if Moses was the first person he gave his name to, then that means Moses had to write, write, write the book of Genesis because he's the only one that knew the name back at them events that happened, only one that knew the name was Yahweh. None of them other prophets before him could have put, could have penned Genesis. It couldn't have been written from Adam in the garden when he came out of the garden. Couldn't have been. He didn't know Yahweh's name. He could not have put, put the name Yahweh in there. So it's attributed to Moses. And most scholars understand that and realize that. It's us with our colossal ignorance and our will not to be proven wrong. We just can't take the fact that we may be wrong about something. You, we've seen people argue to, to the death, knowing that there's a great possibility, but they could be wrong. But our problem is, is we think we have what you call an ego. We think we have the right to be right, just like anybody else. That's the way the world is nowadays. Everybody's right. You got your right, I got my right, even though they're opposite statements, but I'm right and you're right. Now, you know that that can't possibly be. Everybody can't be right. If everybody was right, there wouldn't be a devil. So that makes no sense, yet we grasp it and we hold on to it, we acknowledge it, we accept it, and we alibi for people that have that type of thought process. And we say, oh, we should go pray for those people. We, you better stay away from them. But what Yahweh has done has blessed you to be in the presence of this vision. And we see on this chart, see, we're not trying to hide anything, folks. We're not trying to incriminate anybody. We're not trying to put anybody down. We're just trying to lift you up and to bring you to the realization that your creator is real and his name is Yahweh. His title is Elohim, which means the almighty. Mm -hmm. And he's also Yahshua the Messiah, which is his son, which Yahshua means Yahweh is salvation. Now it's all about Yahweh. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Reverend so-and-so, not about Deacon so-and-so. It's not about the president of the school, me. That's not, it's not about the president of the school and you. It's not about me, the dean. Because one thing we all have in common, none of us knew anything about the creator as he really is and actually exists till he just came and got you from where you was at. Right. You didn't find him. He came and got you. He just said, Marvin, come on, sit down. Go on down here and just listen. And guess what? And the week after that, he said, well, come on back. Many of us can testify to the fact that we found ourselves sitting in this class sometime and we'd ask ourselves, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I? The game's on. I could be home watching the game. But you were compelled to be present. Why? Because Yahweh, through Yahshua, chose you to be delivered. Now, don't mess it up. Don't go back to the fire once the fireman then took you out of the burning house. Stay out of the house. 
and what you should do when you see your house burning down. And I'm using that as a uh, example of your life <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> I said, I say our lives as a whole. Say, <laughs> so as an opportunity to build you a new house. Because that's what you do. You got to do when that house burns down, you got to find you another house. And before you move in a new house, what do you do? You go in and inspect it, right? And you expect to find it how? Clean, swept, ready for you to inhabit. Is that right? Well, that's the same kind of house your soul is looking for. See, and your physical body is your soul's house. And I'm not talking about for you to eat a particular way or refrain from this, refrain. You know the stuff that's good for you and the stuff's not. You know the stuff that makes your blood pressure go up and it affects your health. We all know that. We know the things we do that can cause disease and stuff like that. Common sense ought to tell you, stay away from that. We're talking about treat your body because it's a house for your soul. And when your soul leaves your body, you want your soul to have been preached to. See, you want Yahshua to have intermingled with your soul, have to interject into your soul and cleanse you and made you worthy of salvation. That's right. And that can only be done by the preaching of the gospel through the Holy Spirit. That's it. Right. That's right. Not your ideals, not your concept. We don't care if you, we, we, it make, we don't care about how you feel about the name. The name is Yahweh and that's it. And that can be proven and it's indisputable irrefutable ask your minister and i'm gonna tell you what they you're, you're gonna hear and the reason i'm saying this what you're gonna hear is because so many people that i've met in this school and we're not no small organization that's running around hiding in basements that's not what we do we have in-person lectures and the southfield branch has them too and any and everybody's welcome except the devil well, he couldn't stay anyhow because he don't want to hear the truth and he don't want you to hear it. That's why he tries to keep you away from where the truth is being taught. It's as simple as that, folks. This is the cold, hard facts. I'm not trying to offend anyone and I'm not trying to say anyone's less than I am or less than any of us because none of us are anything. It's Yahshua the Savior. He's the one that has the ability to present you faultless. And get me that scripture, and I'm going to close with that. And I know I had 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, but that's a long chapter, and I don't really want to be digging around in that. Uh, get that for me and let me close them. Give somebody else an opportunity to testify to what Yahshua has done for them. Because it I know scripture. I'm not the only story. I went to scripture where it talks about uh, um, the doxology. Yes. Okay, that's last two verses of Jude. Yeah, that's Jude. Um, yes, that's Jude 1 and 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, how about that? Mm -hmm. Now, how about that? Now, this is Jude. This is Jude preaching to those people. See? And he's talking. He says, now unto him. Now, mm -hmm. who is the him? 
Right. Keep reading. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our That's Savior. That's who it is. That's to the right. only wise Elohim. Read. Through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign. Now he's not listen. To the only wise Elohim, who is our Savior. Mm -hmm. See, and through Yahshua the Messiah, who is our sovereign. And a sovereign is a ruler. Right. So it's Yahshua the Messiah, who you used to call Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. who you thought sent you down here. See, to do the best you can on your own. See, you didn't realize that he was your sovereign, your ruler. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit in you that rules your actions. Mm -hmm. That's what makes Yahshua your sovereign. Read. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty dominion and power now you see those attributes folks mm -hmm. and if you have any of those attributes you have gotten it from yahweh through yahshua mm -hmm. see yahweh puts that in mankind to show his power mm -hmm. that he can take a no count physical body just like adam dust of the earth you're nothing but dust folks until Yahweh breathed the breath of life into you. And he imbued you with certain attributes, glory, majesty, dominion, power, to show you that that's what he has. Mm. That's what you got from the Father. So it has to manifest in you if that's what he is. That's right. You came from pure spirit. You, the creator doesn't look like us. We look like him. Right. Mm -hmm. See, he's the father. Don't you look like your father? Yeah. You say, well, I look like my mother, but you got attributes of your father, don't you? Mm -hmm. You probably heard people tell you, say, he sounds just like his daddy. He walked just like his mama, his uncle. Your attributes that sometimes we don't even realize we have attributes, but they can be manifested. Finish reading that, and then I'm out. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for the time. And I hope I said something that someone got something out of. And if you did, See, then once again, you thank Yahshua Messiah because he is the deliverer. He is the truth. And no one can speak truth except they receive it from him in sincerity and honesty. Thank you. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Dr. Marvin Lewis. We really appreciate that. And before I announce our next speaker, we'd like to, uh, we'd like to announce a first-time first time visit that are visiting with us today. For the first time, we have um, Deacon Ernest Williams. We welcome you in the bonds of peace of Yahshua the Messiah and hope that this lecture, that Yahweh pricks something in your heart to continue on in this great gospel. And for our next speaker, we're happy to call from the Southfield, Michigan branch, Dr.
Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. You kind of went out for a minute there yeah. and I didn't hear who you said. That's okay. My internet is crazy. Thanks. Hmm. Well, yeah, Thanks. I would be thanked <laughs> that we can even meet this way in the first place. Um, it is a beautiful day. And I have to thank Yasha for these lovely days at the end of this creation. And um, we have little JJ with us today. And um, Yahweh was rehearsing with me a little bit about the, the innocence and the wonderment of a child. And when I think about that, when I look at JJ, I think about how Yahweh desires that we, are, we be as little children. And he made us to be that way. Can you get Matthew, the 18th chapter? So the previous speaker was talking about how we are imaged after our father and not just from a natural standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint. We are here, as Dr. Kinley said, to be conformed to the image of his dear son so that when he looks at you and in you, he sees the same attributes in you that he sees in his son, Yahshua. And here he is. Do you have Matthew 18 and 1? That's Matthew's 18 and 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Yahshua, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, this is what they asked him. Because, you know, the disciples are accustomed to the regime of the scribes and Pharisees and the 70 elders. And I am reminded that this vision explained to us that Yahshua did not choose any of those 70 elders. They were chosen back there with Moses and they came down through the um, lineages of mankind and the history of Israel to become the scribes and Pharisees, the leaders and teachers of Israel. And Yahshua did not choose any of the men when he chose his disciples. He chose disciples who were of, of uh, they, were, they were not known. They had no reputation. They had no education. They were simple um, fishermen, some of them. And, and you know, they had, not, they had nothing in this world. They, have, they had no repute. Um, and in one lecture, Dr. Kinley explained how they talked funny. They, they had a, um, I don't know how you put it. Like if you were from a certain region in, um, in, uh, in, in Mexico, you have a dialect. certain dialect, yes. Mm -hmm. And so they had a certain dialect and it was uh, a little different than um, uh, the Hebrew language, you understand? So they, they were recognized as being unlearned men. You understand when you talk to them? So here they're accustomed to the hierarchy, if you will, of Israel. And so they ask this question, well, who would be considered the greatest in the kingdom? And then this is what Yahshua did. And what he did was contrary to anything that we would have thought. 
Well, what did he go ahead and do? And Yahshua called the little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and mm -hmm. come as a little child, mm -hmm. ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you think about the mentality of a little child, like I look at JJ, when he said little child, we're not talking about a 12 year old or even a 10 year old. He took a little child. I would say somebody under five and brought them in the midst. And the reason why I say that is this, because a little child, they have no guile in their mouth. They have no agenda and they know that they don't know. That's why they come to the adults and ask mm -hmm. and they're humble in their asking too. They're not asking with any um, other intention but to know the answer. Right. That's all they That's want. Right. They just want the answer. They're just as honest about that. They don't know. And um, that, that wonderment that I see sometimes in JJ's face, where he discovers a new way to do things or when he discovers something different and he wants to explore that. And it's so funny. And it's just that 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 wide-eyed wonderment, you know, and then that grin that he gets at the little dimples because he's still happy to even learn this. And that's the mentality of a child. You know you don't know. You go to your father for the answer and then you're delighted to learn it. <laughs> you see, that's the little child. And we are able to be that way. I want you to keep your finger right there and go over to John the um, third chapter. And I guess you could start at one because that was Nicodemus, right? John three and one. Mm -hmm. John three and one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Mm -hmm. His name came to Yahshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, mm -hmm. we know that thou art a teacher come from Elohim. Mm -hmm. For no man can do these miracles that thou dost except Elohim be with him. Now, it was this vision that brought out to us why Nicodemus was coming to the Messiah at night because his consciousness was shrouded in darkness. And I want to talk about the kingdom of darkness that is talked about in Revelation. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about that and try to impress upon you what Yahweh impressed in my heart about how remarkably blessed we are mm -hmm. to have been brought into this teaching and we do take it for granted i'm not going to say we sometimes no we take this for granted just how needle in the haystack it is for you to be here and to know and to learn of the only truth that there is in the world mm -hmm. the world is in colossal stinging darkness um, but here, Yahshua is entertaining Nicodemus who came by night because he's shrouded, his consciousness is shrouded in darkness. And he reveals that they know who, who is we know. The, the 70 we were talking about, <laughs> these elders that come down and the scribes and Pharisees who are leaders and teachers of Israel, they know mm -hmm. that the Messiah is of Elohim. But you see how they hide that. 
Right. And they label him Beelzebub and he's contrary to their traditions and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so he, what does Yasha say to him after he says that we know that you are a teacher come from Elohim? What does he say? Mm -hmm. Yashua answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born from above, he cannot mm -hmm. see the kingdom of Yahweh. Okay, so connecting these two things up that Yahshua said, both to his disciples, who he talked to privately, and here he's talking to Nicodemus privately, he says to Nicodemus, except you be born from above, or some Bibles it says, born again. We were born from beneath, through our mother's womb, into the physical, natural world, and that's all we've known is this natural existence, and that was what was real. But you must be born again, a new creature in Yahshua the Messiah, not like the old one at all. And that is how you are able to come, as the Messiah says, a little child, because you are born again. And now you take on the attributes and disposition of a little child coming to the father humbly with one and delight about what he has to share with you and so um go ahead and read a little bit more with nicodemus okay fourth verse mm -hmm. nicodemus saith unto him how can a man be born when he is old can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again yashua answered verily verily i say unto thee Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of Yahweh. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Mm -hmm. And that which is, of, which is born of the spirit is spirit. Uh -huh. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born from above. Mm -hmm. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Mm. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Can <laughs> do something? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yahshua answered and said unto him, art thou a leader of Israel and knowest not these things? Aren't you a leader of Israel? Aren't you a smart man? Right. And you don't know these things. And that's one of the things that Dr. Kinley impressed from what Yahweh has shown him in the divine vision. He said, your academic prowess, your academic knowledge will not do you any good with regard to understanding something about Yahweh. Hmm. Now, it's taking the natural to understand the spiritual. You learn about things in the natural, but it's to understand the spiritual which you could not begin to do unless you were born again mm -hmm. you can't begin to see anything of, of a spiritual nature in anything unless you're born again mm -hmm. so that's what is imperative and when you're born again just as the previous speaker was talking about you taking on the attributes of your parents or looking like your parents <coughs> excuse me <coughs> That is what's happening to you spiritually. You're born after the spirit unto Yahshua, the Messiah, 
and the kingdom of Yahweh. And that's what attributes, disposition, attitude, morality, and all of that, that you are being fit for, or you are being formed into his son for his good purpose and not as you were before. And so um, we should look for those changes in us and those changes are happening in us and they will happen and continue to, to happen in us as we come to the close of this age. There is something that I have been reading that uh, I wanna go into or share. And uh, if you can find that scripture in Revelation, I was talking about, about his kingdom was full of darkness. Yes, that's Revelations 16 and 10, I believe. And the fifth angel poured out his vow upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they galled their tongues with pain. Mm. And Go ahead. And blasphemed the Elohim of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not their deeds. Could you start that over again? Just start it over and um, and I'll tell you why I'm mm -hmm. uh, that is talking about that. Revelations 16 and 10. And the fifth angel poured okay. out his back on the seat of the beast. And his kingdom was full of mm. darkness. And they mm -hmm. gnawed their for pain and blasphemed the mm -hmm. Elohim of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. Mm -hmm. Continue. Go ahead. And the sixth angel poured out his vow upon the great river Euphrates. Okay. Water now, I'm sorry, we went from the fifth angel to the the next verse was the seventh angel you said or sixth angel the sixth angel okay so the fifth angel poured out his vial and that kingdom was full of darkness now when you look at the purpose of Yahweh what he came in to do through Yahshua the Messiah the transition between the fourth age, I'll need the ages of dispensations chart. The fourth age and that fifth age. The fourth age was the Old Testament, Old Covenant, as you can see there. And that transitions the death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. The Old Covenant, I'm sorry, I, I also need the um, carnal ordinances chart. The Old Covenant was given to Israel a physical means of worship and serving Yahweh. The old covenant was contained in carnal ordinances, that word up there in red on top of that scroll. And it has Hebrews, does that say nine and 10 there? Correct. Can you get Hebrews nine and 10? Talk about that old covenant. And then it has Hebrews 10 or Romans 10 and four. 
So get Hebrews 9 and 10 first. That's Hebrews 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. Which stood only in meal and drink offerings mm -hmm. and various washings. Right. And Mama. <laughs> Here's a child again. <laughs> no, but go up, go up one verse, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Lewis, if you don't buy it. Okay. That's Hebrews 9 and I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. That's Hebrews 9 and 9. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I said JJ was here. Just, just be warned. <laughs> yeah. He's here. Okay. Okay. Which was a figure for the time. I'll go to eight. Yeah, you got to go up a little more. <laughs> and that's that's another point of, you know, because we're right. We're reading in the middle of a letter <laughs> that was mm -hmm. written to the Hebrews, right. the Jews. Okay. So we're picking up a train of thought kind of in the middle of this letter. Okay. All so right, go ahead. Hebrews nine and eight. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit signifying this, mm -hmm. that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. Right. Which, which was a figure for the time then present mm -hmm. and which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Right. That That's couldn't- a, Go ahead, that couldn't make- the right. ones that did the service perfect okay right. so because that's what we were indoctrinated with in the world mm -hmm. thinking that that law that was given at the hands of moses to the children of israel back at mount sinai was a law that was to be kept for the obtaining of righteousness mm -hmm. and it was said about that law in deuteronomy 6 and 25 that it would be their righteousness if they could keep that commandment. And that was the big caveat, it was the if. It was actually set up that it could never be kept. It could never satisfy the requirements. The right. doer of it, the one who was performing the service in the tabernacle, and mind you, and we've said this many times in this class, that you cannot and would not and were not doing anything properly under the Ten Commandment law if you did not have a tabernacle sanctuary erected. That's right. Because the tabernacle sanctuary was necessary for the atonement of the transgression of that doer of the law, because he was going to transgress the law. The law was set up that it could not possibly have been kept mm -hmm. from a natural standpoint. It had 10 commandments and 603 other ordinances that went with them, mm -hmm. all of which were, as is about to be described, contained in carnal ordinances, which was meats and drinks and diverse washings, mm -hmm. all kinds of, you understand that? And Yahweh is not dinners and ceremonies and, and, and animal sacrifices. That's not why he's giving this. Mm -hmm. The point and the way that this, law was so detailed and, and I suggested to the class uh, at our workshop to go get the audio Bible but mm -hmm. I guarantee you that's something you're going to want to listen to rather than read when you're reading Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you understand, where this law was given. I was uh, driving my parents around, we had the car and I had the audio Bible on Leviticus and I went into the Myers store and left them in the car. I come back in the car and the tape 
Leviticus is still playing with all these things they had to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, and when I come back in the car and I said, that thing's still playing, my parents almost remarked in unison, my goodness, <laughs> they had a lot. I mean, that was an onerous law. Mm -hmm. It was not something fun. Mm -mm. Uh, uh that was an everyday thing uh, we we would drag and drudge and we have to come to class three times a week right. and, then, and we see the work that it takes to even have in-person classes every other week this was a daily ministration mm -hmm. every single day that's right. it was onerous it was not something fun and Yahweh set it up to be that way to make the man conscious constantly of his sin and transgression and the fact that he was contrary to Yahweh. Right. Contrary to what Yahweh said. There was no way under the law you were going to achieve any type of righteousness. And they had to bring sacrifices for ignorance. But read a little further, Dr. Lewis, right there in Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews 9, I'll read 9 again. Mm -hmm. which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. As if anybody could be made perfect, it would have been the priest that was anointed, but he couldn't be made perfect by this law. Right. Go ahead. As pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks, in diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now that's that is the that is the primary point. He said it could not make him perfect as pertained to the conscience. Right. This was all outside the man. This did nothing to change his thinking, and you understand that that was the case because for fourteen hundred ninety years that altar burned. It didn't change nothing about what he was thinking, which was what was causing what he was doing. This is the natural man. This is the man left to his own works. In other words, if there was a way to be righteous after a physical standpoint, as Paul wrote sometime, somewhere in Romans, might be somewhere in here, it would have been by the ceremonial law. This is the law given by Yahweh from heaven itself. If it could be something that you could do to be righteous and do right by Yahweh, it would have been this. And they couldn't do that. And it wasn't possible. It stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washes. Now, we've heard sometimes that people say the law was spiritual, but they took it naturally. Not so. Yahweh gave the natural people, Israel, a natural law because they were carnal-minded. He gave them carnal ordinances. And Dr. Kinley explains this very often. Yahweh knows what he's doing. There is no such thing as he intended you to do one thing, you did another. Oh, no. That's <laughs> like Adam in the garden wasn't supposed to touch that fruit. Uh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> yes, he was. You didn't do something Yahweh didn't intend for you to do. He's setting this up for a reason. It's a physical law because Yahweh's taking the natural to understand or to bring you up to the spiritual, the natural to lead you to the spiritual, you understand? And so that's what he's telling Nicodemus. 
You were born after the flesh. You're a Jew, a leader of Israel. You are familiar with all of this in the, under the law and in the scriptures. But now you must be born again. There has to be this transition from this natural way of worship to a spiritual understanding. Now, just to hit on this point, get Romans 10 and 4. And then I want you to get Hebrews 11 and 1. Nope, nope, nope. Hebrews 6 and 1. Six and That's one. Romans 10 and 4. Right. For the most... For the Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Go ahead. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Right. But the righteousness which is of faith mm -hmm. speaketh on this wise. Now he say he, not in go ahead, say not in thine heart what. Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring the Messiah down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up the Messiah again from the dead. Mm -hmm. But what saith it? The mm -hmm. word is not thee, even in thy mouth. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. Now, mm -hmm. this is an important thing to understand about how that old covenant works and how the new covenant works. The right. old covenant stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings. The old covenant had a tabernacle sanctuary, worldly sanctuary that Dr. Lewis just read was for the time then present, it was a figure. It was an allegory. That's how Yahweh works. He takes the natural to understand the spiritual, but natural is the schoolmaster to lead you to the spiritual. What we do is get, get stuck and, and spin our wheels in the natural. That's why Yahweh, Dr. Kinley said this. He says, that's why you're not supposed to be setting your affection on things in the, in the earth line, because that's just the type. It's a natural to understand the spiritual. We get stuck in the natural. That's not what Yahweh's doing. He's transitioning your mind first into that the spiritual, to understand spiritual things and to be conformed to the image of his dear son that desires spiritual things, you understand? And away from the natural. So I go back to, well, let me not lose this train of thought. I got Romans 10 and four, and I wanna get Hebrews 11 and one. Okay, because mm -hmm. what he's doing and what he said there in Romans 10 and 4, the Messiah was the end of the law for the obtaining of righteousness to all them that believe, because the righteousness of the law was them that do these things should live by them. And what happened with them with living by that law? What was it? They had to bring a sacrifice. The law required their life. You died under the law in judgment with two or three witnesses that showed that you were not right, you understand? And law pointed up sin. But the righteousness, because that's what Daniel said, He that that that's what Daniel witnessed to, what the angel Gabriel came and told him was going to be the case with the Messiah. When the Messiah came in 70 weeks from what he was telling Daniel to look for, and we can go back to that Asian dispensations chart, 70 weeks from that time, the Messiah was going to make an end of sin he was going to finish the transgression. You understand? He was going to bring in everlasting righteousness. Not righteousness from the law, which was temporal, 
but everlasting righteousness. And Ooh. that righteousness is as, as Paul describes in Romans 10th chapter, the righteousness, which is of faith, that righteousness, that was going to be in the man, not outward, not something you did, not something you see, not something you, you understand, went to this temple or that church, it's going to be right. inward, you understand? And that anointing of the Holy Spirit that's in you, that's going to set up that everlasting righteousness which is a faith in yashua messiah now who has uh romans 10 who's still reading that i do okay um, go ahead 10, and keep reading that's 10 and 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth yashua the messiah and shall believe in thy heart that yahweh have raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved now you would think heart. that anybody could do that. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, they don't know Yahshua. Right. We talked about the other day, the name Yahshua is what you must be saved in. Mm-hmm. Now, some didn't know the name of Yahshua. They hadn't heard it. And one of the most primary points that Dr. Philip Crook brought out, so Yahweh's not going to hold you responsible for something you never knew. But after he done told you that, you're responsible for that. You understand? You can't ignore him and say, no, I don't have to call him Yahshua. I still call him Jesus. Once you learn Yahshua, see? But what it takes is a deeper understanding of who Yahshua is or what it means to say Yahweh is salvation. The world can't say that. They are studious theologians that know that the name is Yahshua. They put that in Time Magazine every Christmas, but they don't know that Yahweh is salvation. <laughs> they know the day. You understand? There's an understanding to that. So here, when he said you got to confess Yahshua is the Savior, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. Yahweh rose, raised him from the dead, or re- believing in the resurrection mm-hmm. of the dead. But listen, he's not talking about Yahweh raising him from the dead two thousand years ago from Joseph's new tomb, folks. That's not what he's talking about. Because Yahweh has risen from the dead in you, in your heart and mind. Your soul that was once dead in sins and trespasses. Remember, he's talking to these Jews in Romans. Has he now quickened? You understand? He's talking to the Jews when he's writing these letters. Mm-hmm. He's not writing them to Gentiles. And so that's where I want you to go to. Because um, there's much more in Hebrews 10. And one of the primary things in Hebrews 10 is the difference between the Holy Name Bible. And the King James Version, where you get down, I think it's 10 and um, 14 or 15. Well, it says this, and faith cometh by hearing the word of Yahweh in the Holy Name Bible. But it says in the King James Version, so faith cometh by hearing, but hearing comes by the word of Yahweh. (laughs) You understand? He has to give you the ear to hear. And that's why it is the needle in the haystack blessing that it is that you even sit here because he had to open your ears you had to be born again after his nature which you see on this agent dispensation chart on the side not agent dispensation the ayah asha ayah chart on the side over here that uh depicts these two mysteries together one of the differences and i'm not sure if it's on our chart but one of the differences that should appear on this chart is that it's the on our chart it's a little wrong the the mystery of righteousness that has life above his head is the one that has the ears 
on the death side, the father of lies, that figure should not have years on it. Because hmm. it depicts how that satanic spirit doesn't hear. It can't let, and that, that's what Yahweh put in the serpent. A serpent does not have ears. Mm-hmm. A serpent, from a natural standpoint, senses with his forked tongue to, to, to go where he's going. You understand? He's slithering on his body and in his natural senses. That's how he's able to determine where things are. But he doesn't have no ears. He has no ear drums, no ear follicles, nothing. You understand? Because he can't hear the word of Yahweh. And so that's what he was saying to Nicodemus. How do you not know these things? And he said that many times to the uh, scribes and Pharisees. He says, why do you not understand my speech? Is it because you cannot hear my word? No, they couldn't. You understand? And Yahshua Messiah, he depicted that and that he was making the deaf to hear. It's by him that you hear. You understand? So you have to realize what has transpired with you to even hear the things that Yahweh's saying. He had to give you to be born again with ears (laughs) that could hear him. You understand? You'd be born from above. But I want you to go over to was the Hebrew six I've been calling for for a minute and back to the Asian dispensations chart. Because okay. this is what okay. he's saying to the Hebrews, right? Mm-hmm. He's writing this to the Hebrews. We just read in Hebrews nine that he's explaining to the Jews who were given these things. He's explaining to them that that was a figure for the time then present. But now the true temple and the true high priest is Elohim and the operation of the Holy Spirit, Yahshua, that's happening in you. That's right. It's also that's in right. Hebrews. And that's why you should go back and read the whole letter because it's a progression he's telling them about. He's telling the <laughs> Hebrews about how they, in the beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews first chapter, it says, God, who is sundry times and diverse manners, spoken to our fathers by the prophets, but as in these last days has spoken unto us by his son. And you, you wouldn't understand the difference there if you didn't understand the purpose of Yahweh. And yeah, Yahweh yeah. used the prophets to deliver to the the um the house of israel and judah what he was doing but now he doesn't have any intermediaries of prophets he's not sending it to somebody to give it to you now he's coming himself that's what was in the body of henry clifford kelly that declared this to us was not some intermediate but it was yahshua himself that's why that seventh angel depicts yahshua the one who's the lion you know understand when he spoke he thunders seven thunders you understand what i'm saying he was he was yashua that came with the little book open understand and then as dr kelly explains in this vision he received the divine vision revelation but what i really received was yahweh elohim in me and he said now the same thing that's in me has got to be in you Mm -hmm. you have to have that same spirit and it is that spirit in you that's the teacher that's awesome. And that's, 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 you see, um, we have to realize where Yahweh's doing this teaching from. It's not coming from the building and the person on the floor. It's actually happening within you. Right. You are standing at the same mount that Moses and them were at, but you're standing at it from a spiritual standpoint, receiving the things from Yahweh directly mm-hmm. by the spirit he placed in you. Now, I'm sorry, get the, where was I at? Hebrews 11. So he's telling, when you go back and read Hebrews, you will read this progression he's telling 
And progression ain't a bad word. Yahweh's entire purpose is a progression from the natural to the spiritual, going from one level of consciousness about Yahweh to another level of consciousness about Yahweh. As these steps go from one to seven in this in this in this tabernacle, you have to elevate. You have to be able to understand what Yahweh's doing, and not and and that's why an understanding of those divine ordering affairs is absolutely necessary. You mm -hmm. have to understand the difference between the fourth age and the fifth age. Go back to the age of dispensation chart again. I'm sorry. And then read Hebrews 6. I will promise I will shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. Read. Hebrews 6 and 1. Right. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of the Messiah, oh. let us go on unto perfection, mm -hmm. not laying again the foundation of repentance from the works of death and of faith toward Yahweh of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if Yahweh permit. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of Yahweh and the powers of the ages to come. If they fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Then mm. they crucify to themselves the son of Yahweh afresh and put him to an open shame. So this is why it's vitally important for you to understand what grace and salvation Yahweh's delivered into you. Once you've tasted of it, I don't know, unless you have help, why anybody will fall away. But we have seen those fall away, right? Mm -hmm. So you understand that as it was told to us, as we were coming up in this teaching, it takes help for you to see this thing and it takes help for you not to see it. You understand? So here in this transition, remember dispensation is the divine ordering of affairs by Yahweh to man. So here the dispensation of the Mosaic law or the Old Testament or Old Covenant that stood only in meats, drinks, and diverse washings from a natural standpoint, when Yahshua's death, burial, resurrection, when he fulfilled that, which was on the uh, other chart, on the carnal ornaments chart, it had up there, New Testament, um, Old Testament, Old Covenant fulfilled. And it had the scripture, Matthew 5, 17, where he's talking about he's going to fulfill it to a jot and to a tittle. And so when he fulfilled that, physical way of worship and he ended that from a natural standpoint remember how the messiah is saying to them he said to nicodemus the jew except to be born of water and of spirit you will not enter the kingdom they were required to undergo the baptism of john and to be and all those that underwent the baptism of john were the ones that were in the upper room there were no other ones that were in the upper room to receive the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about for the Jews on the day of Pentecost, except they had gone through John's baptism. And so now when Yahshua Messiah says they have to be born of water and of spirit, they had to be partakers of John's baptism. Because remember what John did, he made them confess their sin, that he buried them. Those were the dead Jews who were dead under sin 
and he buried them in that water that they might be in the likeness of his resurrection to come, you understand? Resurrect the quickening spirit. That was for the Jews. Now the Gentiles didn't have to go through that. The Gentiles, because they are receiving the New Testament, the new covenant, as it says here on the bottom of this chart, promise fulfilled. You see, it's pointing to the third dispensation with Melchizedek, that promise that was given to Abraham that he blessed all nations in his seed, Yahshua the Messiah. That transition was made for the Jew first, then for the Gentile, from the old covenant to the new covenant, which was written in the heart and mind by the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost to the Jew first, and on the day of Pentecost to the Gentile seven years later. And that Gentile had no dealings with the law. He didn't circumcise, he didn't tithe, he didn't baptize, he didn't have to become part of John's baptism. That was a requirement for the Jew. That was not for the Gentiles. He had to be baptized in John's baptism first because he's under the new covenant. His baptism is coming spirit with the waters the living waters of the preaching of the gospel which when he believes by faith that's that righteousness by faith he receives the gift of the holy spirit mm -hmm. so he's telling the hebrews here though therefore leaving the principles of the messiah let us move on into perfection now see there are people down here right now that applied that scripture to mean that's why we don't preach death and resurrection no more that's what they said too we don't preach death, burial, resurrection, blood, water, spirit, because we're leaving the principles of Messiah moving on to perfection. Now, look, now you see that? <laughs> That's amazing. That's again, not a carnal mind with his natural intellect and his deduction. That's not who Yahweh's talking to. He's talking to the Hebrews. He ain't talking to you, Gentile. He's talking to the Hebrews who had the principles of the beginnings of the Messiah. When did they have that? Under the law. That was Moses, who was the intercessor, you understand? That was the tabernacle sanctuary, which was figurative of the vessel of Yahshua Messiah's body. That was the atoning vessel they had to come to. He's talking to the Jews. That was the principles of the beginning of the Messiah. That was what they were looking at from a natural standpoint. And what Paul is telling them, you have to move up to the spiritual. You had the natural, but that was for the time then present. Now you're moving on to the spiritual. We're not laying on of hands and doing baptisms and this, that, and the other right. from a natural standpoint. And that's what we would do if Yahweh permit. And we come to understand that these, these were figurative natural examples of the New Testament, New Covenant is now in you. So when you read it, now here we are, we're reading this in Hebrews the sixth chapter. And by the time you get to Hebrews the 12th chapter, where he says, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Mm -hmm. Now he's telling the Hebrews where you really are. You have not come to Mount Zion, they might be touched, but you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. Right. He's telling them, taking them step by step from the beginning with the prophets, through what the law and the tabernacle figured, to what the Messiah's mission was, to where you are now. That's Hebrews 12 chapter. You go back and read the whole book of Hebrews and you'll see how he's explaining to those Jews how to come up to where the Messiah is. Mm -hmm. Now, what you had happen is that you've got an adversary, a devil that has dragged this stuff from the Mosaic law that was a type of shadow, not understanding anything we just talked about with the purpose of Yahweh. And we did not understand it ourselves until this vision and revelation explained it to us. And then he put his spirit in us to understand what he's saying. 
and put down our holy water and beads and put down our <laughs> uh, Eucharist and put down our tithing and sit down and shut up That's and right. listen to what Yahweh is saying. Mm -hmm. And by faith, he's given you of his Holy Spirit and made That's you right. to be fit for his kingdom. Mm -hmm. Like a little child, you come to him. If you need anything, you come to him. You go ask him. And then we're learning of Yahweh in wonderment and delight. But I want to show you, I have this book I've been reading. I, I find it sometimes, but I don't find it sometimes. And Yahweh calls me to find it sometimes. And I'm reading it again. And this is the Catechism of the Catholic Church with modifications from the Editio Typica. Now, they've, okay. So now you know how Dr. Kinley says, that the church, the Catholic church, and I want you to understand why this is important because the Roman Catholic church is supposed to be the original mother church, right? The original Christian church is the Roman Catholic church. That's where all Christianity denominations came out of. The Roman Catholic church, y'all offshoots from the Roman Catholic church. That's why it's identified as the mother of harlots in Revelation's 17th chapter. And as a harlot entices men and to intercourse with them, that's what this Roman Catholic Church and Christian doctrine does, is entices men, their souls, to intercourse with it, and it is an abomination, okay? That's a quick synopsis. So Yahweh gave a vision and revelation at the end of this age that showed that the entire system of the Roman Catholic Church and Christianity, I'm going to repeat what I'm about to say is mystery babylon set up by the devil dr kinley explained that the entire system of christianity starting with the roman catholic church through all its denominations and actually all physical ways of worship in this world all religious doctrine and dogma in this world is wrong now there's a recent lecture of dr kinley I believe that lecture is number 37 because I've been listening to it over and over and over again. Because sometimes you don't catch things the first time or you fall asleep on it or your mind's diverted somewhere. So you've got to listen to it multiple times to catch almost everything that's said, okay? And then you did, you still got to listen to it again. I think 37 is a, wait, nope, 37 is not a transcript because I'm thinking to myself, I got to start that transcript, you understand? But he says in that um, lecture, he says, now all of the religion ain't no good. And in another lecture that is transcribed, Dr. Kelly said, now you don't have no business with all these different religions. He said, there's one Yahweh and you worship him as he tells you to worship him in spirit and in truth. You don't, you, don't, you don't have no business with all these different religions, all these different churches, all these different ways of worship. He said, that's directly from the devil. Ain't that something? Yes. And we thought that was all right. He convinced us you go to your church of your choice and entertain whatever religious idea and concept you want. That's all right. Oh, no, that's completely opposite. And this is one of the things that Yahweh said about that negative spirit. So when I'm going back and reading this catechism, because I caught something Dr. Kinley said in that lecture, I think it was that one or one of the other ones I was listening to right after it. He said, now... Um, Now I'm forgetting exactly what he said. It was something he said about it. And I decided to go back in the catechism and see what it is. Mm -hmm. they. I think he was talking about the Trinity. Yes. He was talking about how 
the Roman Catholic Church believed that there were three distinct personalities to the Godhead. He said, that's not so. And so I went back to the catechism to see what they uh, preach about. It. Now, the catechism that I have is copywritten in 19... I want you to know what this date is because it's, it's interesting what date it is. Uh, this catechism was copywritten in 1994, Latin text copyright in 1994, okay? It was published in 1995. Now, I just want you to think about those dates, 1994. Mm -hmm. 1994 was when this organization had its dean's meeting out in California, remember that? So this catechism of the Catholic Church, and there was something significant about that date. And somebody, um, if you're, if you can, calculate that date, 1994, to see what it actually is in prophetic time. And you calculate, take away the 33 years, and add the four. What is that date? What is 1994? So here, um, in this particular um, book. This book is the, um, uh, okay, you know what, I'm just going to read the, um, that would be 1964, Dr. Brazil. Okay, 19, 1994 is 64? 65. 65, okay. 19, yes, 1965, I'm sorry. That's okay. So, um, this is what, ooh. Um, this catechism is for. Um, I'm going to read what it says on page five under the heading, the doctrinal value of this text. Okay, I just want you to understand because you have the Baltimore Catechism, which is a series of questions and answers. This catechism is not set up that way. This catechism is an instructional book. I'm going to read what it says. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, which I approved June 25th last, and the publication of which I today order by virtue of my apostolic authority. This is Pope John Paul II writing this. Is a statement of the church's faith and of Catholic doctrine attested to or illuminated by sacred scripture, the apostolic tradition, and the church's magisterium. Oh my God. The magisterium, because sometimes I had to stop and go and get the dictionary and look up what in the world were these words that they were using. Magisterium, this is the church's magisterium. The magisterium is the authority and power of the church to teach religious truth. That's what magisterium is. Now, if you, okay, I'm gonna read that statement again. This catechism is a statement of the church's faith and of Catholic doctrine attested to or illuminated by sacred scripture, the apostolic tradition and the church's magisterium, period. I declare it to be a sure norm for teaching the faith and thus a valid and legitimate instrument for ecclesiastical communion. The catechism 
is lastly offered to every individual who asks us to give an account of the hope that is in us and who wants to know what the Catholic Church believes. That's what this catechism is. It teaches the priests what to teach the people and it allows anybody to understand what the actual doctrine of the Catholic Church is. <laughs> and I am telling you, it is fascinating. Okay, so now it is a total of 800 something pages long. I've talked about this before. That's, that includes the index. Without the index, it's 756 pages long. And um, it goes through all of the, I mean, it goes into great detail about the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm not gonna talk about the doctrine of the Trinity right now, because that is just, you have to take a minute to unpack that one. But what I do wanna give you an example of, of what we're talking about here, about the kingdom that is full of darkness. They went into, in this catechism, they went into every commandment. They went into the uh, 10 commandments and what each of these commandments mean. <laughs> they went into the first commandment. I'm telling you, it's really something. It's really something I want you to remember. This Roman Catholic Church is the first of which all the rest of them come out of. Now, the first commandment, because I saw that I went back and, and I have tried to elucidate this, this thing a couple of times. So I decided to just try to understand what was in table of contents for Christ's sake. And so the, Christ, the, the, the table of contents, let me see how many pages is this? <laughs> this is, it is on page XX. Is that 20 pages? That's the table of contents. <laughs> And so I noticed in the table of contents, they went through each of the each of the commandments, all the way over to the tenth commandment, right? Yeah. And the commandment, I was reading the table of contents. You know that the first commandment has in it, you shall not make for yourself a graven image. And I read that mm -hmm. wait a minute. I have got to see what they say about that. Come on. Mm -hmm. That's on page 573. So I went over to page 573, the first commandment about the graven images. I want you, now listen, Yahweh has told us the truth, folks. I'm telling you, this, it is something else. Yahweh has told us the truth. And you remember how he told us how that, that the spirit deceives. Now this doesn't yes. take long. It says, now remember how Dr. Kinley said that the church is ruled by scripture and tradition. I just read that out of this catechism, how they said the sacred scriptures illuminate things, the apostolic tradition, and the church's magisterium or the doctrine of the church, which right off the bat is wrong because Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy, I've been written in the first, first part because I, I identified that lie right off the bat. And we couldn't identify that lie except for this teaching. That's 1 Timothy 2 and 12. I suffer not a woman to teach. So it's talking about this is the elect lady. And when they talk about the church in here, they talk about she. No, the church does not do the teaching, which is the reason why they're so off now. And you wouldn't think anything about that. But they go through here and describe the church's authority to teach and espouse the doctrine. That's not what we have down here. We have the Holy yes, Spirit, which is the teacher. Ain't none of us yes. who are the creatures doing any of the teaching here. We didn't know nothing to teach. 
You understand? Yes, but having learned and being instructed by the Holy Spirit, that's the teacher, him, Yahshua. So this is the 10th commandment. Oh, I'm sorry, the first commandment. You shall not make for yourself a graven image. This is what they say. The divine injunction included the prohibition of every representation of God by the hand of man. Deuteronomy explains, since you saw no form on the day of the Lord, the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, beware lest ye act corruptly by making a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure. Now they read Deuteronomy. And of course, it says that in a little different way in the King James Version. Why don't you go and get that um, in Deuteronomy, but get the commandment. It's in 20, uh, Exodus 20 and what? One, and 20 and seven. It talks about not take his name in vain. But before that, it's like 20 and three through seven or three through six. It talks about you should not make any graven image. I want you to read exactly what Yahweh had told Moses and the children of Israel. Before That's in Exodus, Exodus 20 and 2. You want me to start at 2 or 1? Go ahead and start at 1. And 1. And Yahweh spake all these words, saying, I am Yahweh thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Now do for you see I, that? For I what? Go ahead. For I, Yahweh, thy Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, <laughs> visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. In other them, words, he, Yahweh is not playing about that. <laughs> he said, don't buy yourself to anything. Don't make no graven image. Now, if you have a good uh, Bible, and what I mean by a good Bible is one that has a margin translator that will give you cross-references of where it says that in other scriptures. Okay, so if you're in a Thomas Nelson study Bible, when you read that scripture in the margin, in the middle, it'll have, well, have a little... Um, it might be in the bottom and have a little number or a letter next to that commandment and it'll give you any other cross references and if you have anybody had that kind of bible it shows you where it talks about that in deuteronomy just call it out and go ahead and read that scripture in deuteronomy because yahweh didn't say so deuteronomy means two or the second account of the law but yahweh explained it in deuteronomy even further when moses rehearsed it with the children of Israel again about not making any graven images, which is what they cited to in this catechism. They know it. They know it. Now listen. Okay, five minutes. I'm gonna clear this up in five minutes. Now I want you to remember how Yahweh gave the commandment in the garden, right? Thou shalt not eat of every tree of the fruit of the garden. Tree in the midst of the garden, you should not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And when that negative spirit came to that woman, remember he asked her, well, what, can you eat of every tree? You know, you're not supposed to eat of every tree of the garden. And Eve corrected him. No, we can eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree in the midst of the garden, we shall not eat of it, neither shall we touch it lest we die. Now the negative spirit knew the commandment. He just asked that woman about it to open up her conversation with him. Now, okay, so they know the commandment. That's what I'm trying to tie it into. They know what Yahweh said, 
right? Now this is the next, next uh, paragraph. Nevertheless, <laughs> we're already wrong. Nevertheless, already in the Old Testament, God ordained or permitted the making of images that pointed symbolically towards salvation by the incarnate word. That he allowed, God allowed for them to make images that were symbolic of God in the flesh. Let me show you what they're talking about. So it was with the bronze serpent. Remember they made that bronze serpent in the wilderness? The Ark of the Covenant and the cherubim. And what cherubim is he talking about? Remember in Solomon's temple that Solomon made two great cherubim in the most holy place overlay with gold? That's what they're talking about. Now here, they know the commandment of Yahweh, but they turn around and say, but Yahweh allowed for graven images. <laughs> Can you believe that? Gonna turn mm -hmm. Yahweh over on his head and he must be talking out of both sides of his mouth. Yahweh didn't mean that for real. Now, remember how that serpent talked to that woman in the garden? Mm -hmm. No death will you die. Now, Yahweh said, you're going to die. Now, he said, not really. For <laughs> yes, Elohim doth know. Now, he's going to turn it on Elohim now, just like this Catholic church did. But Yahweh allowed for these other images. Right. And so then they go on and explain the tradition of the church, basing itself on the mystery of the incarnate word. When they mean incarnate word, they mean God manifesting in flesh as Jesus Christ. The seventh ecumenical council at Nicaea justified iconoclasts, the, the veneration of icons. They justified the veneration or honoring or worshiping of icons of Christ and Mother Mary and the angels and all the saints. That was the council at Nicaea. By becoming incarnate, or be by becoming in the flesh, the Son of God introduced a new economy of images. When he became, when he came in the flesh, he allowed for images. <laughs> so he said, "Now I'm, I'm not going to go through and tell you everything because it was, it was that, it was that um, the seventh council in Nicaea. That's the tradition of the church, right? The magisterium. I'm going to tell you what their conclusion was." The conclusion is the veneration of sacred images is based on the mystery of the incarnation of the word of God. It is not contrary to the first commandment. Can you believe that? Look, turn right around and said, God didn't mean what he said, and it's okay to do that. <laughs> and got a billion Catholics to believe it. And most people other than Catholics to believe that. It's okay to do graven image, no matter what God said. Now, that's the darkness that Yahweh delivered us from. Because when we were in the world, that sounded right. That was okay to do. And most of the time, now, he didn't told them, don't call father. No man father on this earth. Everybody does that. Holy Father, Pope, you understand? It's crazy. But that's the blessing we received in Yahshua. And you should be so grateful, eternally grateful. I hope you come back, because this is the place to be. And if you got anything out of it, all praise go to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you very much, Dr. Brazil. We really And before we um, conclude, we'd like to um, uh, also recognize a returning visitor, Dr. Vanessa Goodrum. 
We are very happy that Yahweh brought you back and we hope he continues to do so. We will have a selection from the choir directly after the doxology with fellowship after the selection of, of a song. We hold our classes here every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Zoom from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. on Sundays. Next Sunday, August the 7th, we will have in-person class at our Beachwood location. Dr. Shirley Nelson will send out an email announcement with a reminder. And now let us all stand in our hearts and minds for a moment of reverence to our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, through the doxology which is taken from the last two verses from the book of Jude. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power for all time now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 